0: Hello everyone, welcome to the Style That Finds Us podcast. This is Delia Folk here, the daughter of the duo, and we are very excited to have Susan McPherson on our show today. She is a serial connector, author, angel investor and corporate responsibility expert. She is the founder and CEO of McPherson Strategies, a communications consultancy focusing on the intersection between brands and social good. She provides storytelling, partnership creation, and visibility to corporations, non-governmental organizations, and social enterprises, including Intel, the Tiffany Company Foundation, among many others. She has appeared on NPR, CNN, USA Today, The New Yorker, New York Magazine, The Los Angeles Times, contributed to Harvard Business Review, Best Company, and Forbes. Oh my goodness,
1: Susan, thank you for being here. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm so excited and I listened to that and, and I sit there and I'm like, what me? <laughs> I know.
0: I know. Isn't it? You? Yeah, because you're just like in the micro moments of the everyday. You don't always sit there and think about like, wow, I've accomplished so
1: much. <laughs> it's one good thing about age, right? <laughs> oh, my goodness. You're well, a lot, lot of time to do things.
0: Um, I know, Susan, but most people would never have a resume like that, no matter how old they are. So you have just been working, working, working super hard and doing such great work. And also this book, The Lost Art of Connecting. So congratulations on writing this book. I think you
1: wrote it during COVID or am I wrong about that? I did. I started writing it in February of 2020 and finished in September. And yes, it kept being focused. However, I mean, I have to say as um, being someone who had been completely alone for the entire, and I'm still alone. I don't have parents, don't have kids, and don't have a significant other. Having the book to focus on, um, was, was almost like a having a friend. I mean, believe me, it was, it was challenging in all the ways, but, um, you know, this was such a ridiculously challenging time for so many people. I was grateful to have that kind of like North Star to be thinking about.
0: and also if you're spending your energy with that focus and with a goal obviously you didn't write the book just for you to read with the goal of helping other people I think that that is something a tactic that is really helpful during a challenging time or as a business leader for example if you if someone is kind of trepidatious about putting themselves out there or whatever if you can have this mission and tap into that it no longer is about you and it's beneficial in so many different ways I think 100 so what are some of the major takeaways do you want people to get from the lost art of connecting
1: well First of all, let me just give you a little bit of background um, for your listeners so they, they know that the book wasn't conceived during, it was written during the pandemic, but the actual idea for it came to me about five years ago, long before the pandemic. And my goal was to bring back the humanity in connecting the, um, and get away from measuring our success in connecting by the number of clicks and likes and followers, but rather the human connection and the impact that happens when you meet others and build long um, reciprocal relationships over time. I also think it's important to delineate between networking and connecting. Networking, if you look up the definition in the Merriam-Webster dictionary, it is not so savory. It's work and it's very transactional and we all have to do it and we will all have to do it in our futures, but, If we think about meaningfully connecting, that is much more where you open up, where you're vulnerable, where you lead with how can I be of help, how can I be of service, rather than positioning when you meet people as what can I get from them. And just a a little bit of background before even putting forth my book proposal, I grew up in the late 60s, early 70s in upstate New York in a small little town. And both my parents were very much serial connectors. Um, they didn't have the technology we have, have today, uh, and they would literally every morning at the breakfast table uh, lay out the five local newspapers, plus yesterday's New York Times and yesterday's Boston Globe, where they would be clipping and cutting articles of interest to then go to their manual typewriters, type little short notes, and then pop them in the U.S. mail. And I just assumed everybody's parents did that. But if you notice, it was there was a, a lot of intentionality. There was a lot of kind of love and compassion of thinking of others. And we now have all the tools at our disposal to do that. But I do believe what has happened with social media is the intentionality of that has gone away. Now, I will say that during the last 15 months of this harrowing shared global experience. One of the things that I hope is a silver lining is that we will never take relationships for granted, meaning we know what it's been like to be isolated and to be away from friends and loved ones and colleagues. So let's hope when we are back out, uh, and some of us already are to a certain extent, at least in, in the U.S., but when we are back at events and things, let's hope people aren't constantly looking at their phone or looking over the shoulder of the person you're talking to to find that shinier object or that shinier person so that gives you a little bit of, of what I'd love people to gain from the book and we'll also just um, from a practicality standpoint um, for those of us who may be introverted or wish to build our communities the book is a playbook for helping you do that in a real meaningful um, and humorous way too I mean it's actually a fun book it's, it's, it's very practical I love this so much. And also, I
0: am a serial connector. It's interesting, like, you know, you kind of do it naturally based on how you grew up and your personality without actually, like, defining that and putting a word to it. But basically, coming from Alabama, moving to New York City, besides my colleagues and then some people from college that moved to the city, I really had to create and meet new people and and create a network in a whole new big city that is you know for better or for worse you if you can make it here you can make it anywhere sometimes it can be super (laughs) intense so
1: (laughs) 100 percent. you know i moved to new york city in 2003 and i knew only one person my sister so uh, and that was what eight seven where are we now i can't even add but um and right actually you know it is it is a, a huge city but in some ways it's a very small city too Um, when we put ourselves out there we and we're open and vulnerable and compassionate and helpful the help will come back
0: oh yes and it's so lovely you know when the first time we talked when someone is leading exactly as you said with how can I help you versus like What information can I get from you? What can you do for me? You know, all of that, it, it makes them on the receiving end, you know, they, the relationship is more meaningful. They want to help you. So it really starts it off on the right note instead of being so transactional, right? Because, you know, a lot of people are like networking. Oh, I can't even imagine going to like an event and a networking event. Whereas I am like, Susan, when I I don't know if I told you this, but when I was interning at Versace, Parsons did this incredible program over the summer and all these interns that were at Findy and i was at presace and all these different companies got together and someone that i met they would bring in industry professionals so we were not only networking with our peers people our age but also we were getting this incredible experience and exposure meeting other people and one of the women there that I met, one of the professionals said, slut your business card. So that like from that day on, that was my, the only way I'll ever be a slut is like, I literally am like, oh,
1: here's my card. Here's my card. Let's connect. (laughs) But you know, not, not everyone is like that, right? We know there's a lot of introverts and shy people. And, you know, one of the, one of the little tips I offer in the book is when you are going to an event, whether it's an online event or an in-person event, you know, do that intentionality thing in the beginning and think about when you go the triumvirate, the power of three, meaning you're going to meet three people, share three things and learn three things. So you do that and then you can go hide in the bathroom. Yes. <laughs> that. Instead of running around and trying to get business cards from everyone, that might be more palatable, feasible, doable.
0: Yes. Yes and my tactic is definitely not i don't mean like literally every single person at the event has to have the card but it's more so like any person i meet i'm like oh like here's my card let's connect so there's always that that possibility but i do like going with an intention and a goal so i love that i love that because so for, I'll give you a scenario that was a really challenging scenario where you're really having to force yourself. So you probably experienced this building a network. You know, you have to put yourself out there. You arrive at the event in the beginning when I was building my network, I would like bring a roommate or a friend and I would find us just talking you know, to each other, catching up. And I'm like, OK, I can't bring people anymore, but it is challenging to walk up to a group and sometimes you are well received. Sometimes you are not well received. And when I was trying to build the consulting portion of my business. So after leaving Barney's, I consult with emerging brands to help them with direct to consumer or wholesale strategies. So I went to a trade show, Susan, and I would like walk up to the jewelry design booth and say, oh, hey, I'm Delia. And immediately people are like on guard, like, what are you trying to sell me? You know, whatever. So I was, <laughs> I think going with a goal of like, okay, I will force myself to talk to at least five people or I'm going to stay here no matter if I get rejected every single booth. <laughs> I don't want to feel like a traveling salesman here. <laughs>
1: Well, but the thing is, if you do that, you know, and you lead with how you can be helpful to others, I mean, in a way that's meaningful, not, you know, just like, hi, can I help you? Right. I mean, um, yeah. And I I, sometimes when I when I'm doing book talks, you know, I'll, I'll ask for a show of hands of how many people have, you know, connected with someone on LinkedIn. And then within the next hour, you already have someone trying to sell you something. oh yeah say wouldn't it make more sense if they did a little bit of research and maybe found out something that you're working on and instead lead with some way they could be helpful whether it could be an introduction whether it could be you know a connection to uh an organization that could be helpful right i mean and that that doesn't take that long and because we live in a very public world those resources are available to find out i mean I joke, but in the 80s I worked for USA Today as a researcher. And my, you know, the only tools I had to research people before I reached out to them were the yellow pages, which probably children today don't even know what that is, or you know, Gen Z, and the Encyclopedia Britannica. So I was constantly, you know, you, you today you can look at someone's career trajectory on LinkedIn, you can look at what they're you know, either excited about or frustrated about on Twitter, you can look to see if they have children or grandchildren on Instagram. Um, So in other words, there's no reason you wouldn't be able to find out a little bit about somebody to what I like to say, find the commonalities in the uncommonalities of of life.
0: Mm, What does that mean?
1: (laughs) It means that no matter how different we may think we are, we're actually fundamentally very much the same. We have the same hopes and dreams. Wow. Yes. And
0: I think it's about mindset for sure. If you are going up to someone trying to build your business, trying to meet people to let them know like, oh, hey, I do this Uh, offer these services in my business if you're coming at it from a perspective of like I have all this information and knowledge that could truly be a game changer for your business versus like oh I hate this I hate feeling like the traveling salesman like going around and saying hey I do this do you want to work
1: together Mm. I love that
0: (laughs) Yeah, so everything is about mindset. It really is. So how have you gone about creating your network? Tell us
1: about this gather, ask, do strategy, tactic. Of course. course. Well, the book is broken into, as you said, three sections, gather, ask, do. And in the gather phase, the first most important thing and person to connect with is yourself. And really do kind of a reflection of what are your hopes and dreams and goals over the next four years, four months, maybe even four weeks. And who do you want to connect with that's going to help you meet those goals, reach those goals, secure those goals? And for the people you can actually support as well. Also during that gather phase, that self-reflection helps you understand how you can be helpful. What are your superpowers or secret sauces, or in the book, I call it your chief differentiating factors that you can offer up? And then how are you also going to do everything you possibly can to break that hermetically sealed bubble of surrounding yourself with people that look like you, sound like you, the same age as you, the same color as you? And lastly, how are you going to um, wrap that all up and go to the next phase, which is called ask? And the ask phase is actually where you learn to ask the meaningful questions of others. So that you can find out what is important to them. What are their hopes and dreams? What are they trying to accomplish? And if you listen very carefully, which I hate to say we're woefully bad at, myself included, but I really have tried over the years to get better. And in the book, I offer lots of tips and tricks on, on becoming better listeners. But if we listen to others when they are sharing these, their goals, we can get to the third phase, which is my favorite phase. And that's the do phase. Where you actually go into, and I don't want to say overdrive, which I think I was, I was about to say, but where you actually become responsible, reliable, trustworthy, because you do respond and you do follow up and you do make introductions. And that is the do phase. So I would go so far as say the time we're living in right now is extraordinarily unique. We have globally had a shared experience, which in my lifetime has never, never occurred. And I think this is a perfect opportunity to do that, certainly, that gather phase, to do a self assessment, almost like an audit, um, and think about who do you wanna connect with and who do you wanna reconnect with? Um, and, and also, maybe get rid of the toxicity that has perhaps plagued you or been in your life, which is easier said than done. But the gather, ask, you method is certainly something that can be done, you know met multiple times throughout your your life and your career. So that gives you a bit of that, a background. Mm,
0: well, thank you for that. And I know, I mean, COVID has obviously been such it has been horrific and horrendous and all of the insane things, but it also was this interesting pause and reset that I am really grateful for. So <clears throat> gather as to. I feel like a lot of people they don't take the time to think about like what are you working towards what do you really want like what does your dream life look like career relationships friends family everything and then how are you gonna get to you know what changes do you need to
1: make right right which is a healthy thing to do regardless but it's even more important now Uh, Right. But then if if you don't do
0: that, then you don't like you're kind of lost fumbling around. Or I guess you can, you know, you're happy with your life and you're just kind of living it and whatever. But during COVID, I made a mood board. You know, I forced myself to take the time to like, okay, what what are my goals, career, relationship, et cetera. And then I made like an actual vision board that I can visually see because you have to visualize in order to manifest
1: your dream life. Right. Yes. Always. I mean, and again, this is the difference. I really think about the difference between networking and connecting networking isn't very, I mean, it, yes, I guess you could say it's, it could be strategic, but this is very intentional. And this isn't about, you know, a million people. I mean, you know, cause there's only so many hours in the day and so many minutes in the hour, etc. This is about being very intentional about who you want to connect with that is going to one, help you meet your goals. And two, allow you to access and tap your superpowers
0: yes and also it's so interesting that we feel like you were saying I thought that my parents that everybody's parents did that a lot of the things that we know and our strengths we don't even know that other people don't know that information or that other people aren't good at something like that
1: (laughs) I know. And, and sometimes we need our friends to tell us what we're what our superpowers are or help tease out what our superpowers are. I mean, I have a funny story. In 2008, I went away with five, girl, uh, sorry, eight girlfriends. And our goal for the weekend was we were going to articulate our, our elevator speeches or kind of you know, what, what we felt our strengths were. And we, we told each other that, that we weren't going to leave the weekend getaway until we all could share that with each other. And it was a remarkable weekend for all the reasons, but it was that weekend that I finally coined the term, hi, I'm Susan McPherson, I'm a serial connector. And I'll be honest with you, Delia, when I first said it, I wanted to pee in my pants. It sounded so ridiculous. And then now, 16 years later, I wrote a book on it. So I think it's really important to do that self-assessment, that self-awareness, and surround yourself with people who are going to be confirming, right? And... You know, whether it's friends, whether it's your partner or spouse or your dog or the mirror, just, you know, it helps to be able to state that out loud. And in my case, how ridiculous it sounded, but, you know, it became a self-fulfilling prophecy.
0: Goodness. Yes. And people who can see a future for you that you might not even, whether it's recognized or you're scared to admit, like they dream bigger for you. And you're like, oh, maybe, maybe so. So how could someone go about what is the question they would ask friends or family to figure out their strengths and superpowers? Well,
1: I think first, before you ask, I think it's good to come up with a a, like a menu of like choices, you know, because you don't want to expect people to actually do the self-reflection you need to do. But I think it's fair to say, you know, here are the things that I think I'm really, my strengths are you know, which do you think, which rises to the top or, or which do you think is, is something maybe I could be approving on, right? I wouldn't, I would, I would, it's too big of a list. I think to expect people to tell you everything, unless it's like your bestie, of course.
0: Everyone you meet is a conduit to something else, someone else, or something you learn about yourself. What an
1: incredible quote. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, you know, one of the, the interesting pieces of research that I discovered was people you don't even meet actually have an effect on your life and the mm-hmm. reason why is because you are actually connected to other people through the people you are connected to so you will never even you might never ever meet them but those people could be having an effect i know it's it's a little um like crystal woo woo but if you think no. about it right i mean as we move through lives also when we write people off because we don't think quote unquote they can help us Think of what we're missing. Think of the opportunities that we could be missing, just as making assumptions. And we make assumptions all the time, myself included. But we don't know what we don't know, right? It's a bit of that Pandora's box. If you don't open that door or make that connection, you could be missing out on so many things. Oh,
0: Yeah. And sometimes we don't know what we do know. We don't know that other people (laughs) don't know that. So you're like, you don't even know to say that, which is interesting. And I forget who said this quote, but it's the, what do people remember the way that you made them feel? So that reminds me of in the beginning, when you were saying, like when you're talking to someone at a party, but you're kind of looking around, who else do I need to be talking to or whatever? It's really about, how you make people feel being present and actively taking part in that conversation.
1: There is no greater gift than we can give each other than if we are reminding people that we saw and heard them, seriously. And this is why it's so important when we're in conversations with people, if we listen carefully, when we follow up with them, we can actually make mention of something they said, which you know, I it, it it sounds manipulative, but it's not. It's a gift when you when you you know. I remember when we first had our our lovely conversation. You know, you you shared with me very openly about moving to New York, and you know, I remembered that. And so when we reconnected today, you know, we talked about it. And it's just it's just it's an important thing to do as you're building relationships.
0: Yes, 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 yes. One hundred percent. I love it oh.
1: all. <laughs> What is social capital? Well, social capital is what happens as you really start building communities over time that you can tap into when you need something. Um, in the book, I, you know, even though the, the it's gather, ask, do, and the ask section is all about asking others meaningful questions, there's also a lot of data in there about how to make asks. As women, sometimes we tend to not ask for what we want, what we need, and what we deserve. Um, that's a gross generalization, but you know, in my, in my life, I have witnessed it repeatedly. And so the book offers a lot of ways to what I call the five minute ask where you don't make that one big ask, but you make little asks along the way. So you get people engaged in your journey, interested, vested in your journey. Of course, obviously offering up to help along the way too, right? Because this has to be reciprocal. And there are going to be times in our lives, maybe, where we're helping more than we're receiving, and that's okay, too. But this is not about not taking the oxygen mask first, right? I fervently believe the more we help others, the more they help us. Mm -hmm.
0: And I'm always, even if there's no money involved or anything, it's always like, okay, yes, time is money, but if I'm going to spend the time to help whoever it may be, then I know in some way, shape, or form, it will come back in a positive way to me at some point. It's worth it.
1: A hundred percent.
0: So are there any networking tips that you can share?
1: I think think doing the pre-planning, right? We have the gift these days to know who's gonna be in the room for the most part before we get there. And I think it's really important to do a little bit of research so that when you do walk up and introduce yourself to someone, Um, that you can refer to something you've read about them, okay? Um, I also, you know, in in one of the chapters of the book, I actually, actually two separate chapters, there's a list of questions you can ask that are going to lead to a more rich conversation rather than go to the default weather conversation, which, you know, we tend to do because it's safe and it means we don't have to open up ourselves. Um, I think also come to be prepared to be open and vulnerable yourself, um, which can be very, very scary, but we can't expect others to open up to us if we're not going to open up to them. And I'm not suggesting you share all your dirty laundry or you know the fight you just had with a friend or a partner. But I think you know something perhaps that's been challenging to you over the past year. And I can't imagine that you haven't had some challenge in the past year. Um, and I think really you know bringing in that that um, intentionality of wanting to be supportive. And that can be your best gift when you're in a networking function, whether it's a dinner or a Zoom room or a Microsoft Teams meeting. How's that?
0: (laughs) It's great. Thank you for that. That is fabulous. Any tips on how to create lasting and meaningful connections instead of transactional
1: ones? Well, I think transactional is all about what can you get, what can you get, what can people give me? get rid of that, okay? mm-hmm. they, they, that. That is going to be a short term. I, I compare it to eating Cheetos, right? You know, that they it may taste good for a few seconds and then you finish the bag and you'll be like, wait, did I just eat something? Right, right. <laughs> no substance. Yeah. You can't then tap into that person when you need something or want something or desire something. So I think this is has you have to think about this over the long haul, little bits here and there. And just reaching out and think when, when you, when somebody pops in your brain, how often have you had somebody pop in your brain and you're like, I'll get to it later. Don't, don't put it off. Do it right then. And if you can't do it right then give yourself a voice memo so that you'll remember to do it later.
0: Yes. Oh my goodness. I love connecting people. I'm like, okay, you should know this person.
1: (laughs) (laughs) When you do that, the best thing is, is, you do it because you find commonality between them, right? Or you might find something that you know they both would be interested in. And therefore, when you do that, you're giving them a platform from which to then be able to have a conversation, feel comfortable with one another. Mm -hmm. You're not just saying, Gene meet Anne, bye, right? You're finding something that, you know, they both grew up in the same town or they both have, you know, children that go to the same school or they both are passionate about a particular cause, So should we have a separate work self and home self, or should we just be one person? (laughs) I love that question because I have to say, you know, for years before the internet came that I was working, you very much could have your personal self and your professional self. But the day I first brought home my laptop and had to dial in to send my mail in between dialing in, I would do my dishes and then go back to my laptop to download, you know, to read the downloaded email. I was no longer work Susan and home Susan, I was Susan. And I have to say life is challenging enough. Why in heck would we wanna be two people? It's, It's exhausting. So I think in this day and age, I'm not suggesting you don't carve out private time. I'm not suggesting that you don't have downtime, but we essentially are the same person.
0: Yes, there's a lot that goes into that for sure, but hopefully as much as possible, yes. I feel like, you know, if you can just be yourself and go to work, then you can focus on the task at hand. But if you're also adding in layers of having to be someone else, of who you think that you need to be, then you're not going to be as focused, as productive, and you're not going to do as good of a job or make as meaningful of connections. Same now. Okay, so we've definitely talked about what serial connector, being a serial connector means. So do you have any tips for finding happiness at work and a successful career?
1: Oh, that's a challenging question because it's so personal to the person. But I, mm-hmm. I, what I, one thing I've learned daily as I've gotten older is it's become much more apparent what I don't like and what I'm not good at oftentimes than what I do like and what I am good at. So if you can get rid of the stuff and as best as you possibly can, and I obviously some that can be a very privileged conversation to have with yourself because not everybody can make choices as to the type of work, et cetera, or, you know, mm-hmm. ability to get rid of things that are toxic or not good, but whatever you can be doing, pull yourself away from the things that are negative or taking you down is the, is the most, is, is probably the best gift we can give to ourselves. And believe me, I struggle with that every day. So I, I'm not saying it's easy. Um, but there is something about getting older that helps you have that wisdom that I didn't have in my 20s and 30s and probably even my 40s.
0: If there's something like I just get it out of my life, I mute or unfollow the person. You know, if there's anything, I do not have the headspace or the mental capacity to like deal with that. I just get it out. That is my personality (laughs) clear out as much as possible (laughs) if that does not serve me in that moment are there health benefits to having positive social interactions?
1: Well, and this was another piece of research I got really excited by when I wrote the book. And that is, if you make meaningful connections a priority in your life, both personally and professionally, it actually lengthens your life more than eating kale every day and running Mm every day. Uh, Now, I love kale, but I can't run every day anymore. Um, But I, I thought to myself, if you ever need an excuse... Now, keep in mind, obviously, there are other factors at play. Of course, you know, if you, you smoke a pack of cigarettes a day, you know, all the things or you know, it's going to, to have a negative um, effect. But I think right there, if anybody ever questioned why it would be valuable to go ahead and and make this a priority, um, also from a business perspective, if you run a company, large or small, it is becoming vitally clear in research that connected employees Employees who are friends actually are more productive, more likely to stay at the company longer, more likely to recommend the company to other potential employees. So if you're a leader at a company, why would you relegate meaningful connecting to the happy hour once a month or the annual sales conference? So the, the connections at work, if you are going to not want
0: to let someone down, if you have a, these strong, meaningful connections and it's this teamwork environment and you don't want to let the other person down, so you're going to work so much harder going to work every single day, whether it's from your house or in an office. I mean, we spend so much time at work, so it is exactly as you're saying, it is imperative that there are some positive social interactions that you have there, hopefully, in relationships.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, you know, that productivity is important. I mean, we're heading into a time probably where companies are going to have hybrid workplaces, um, and so it is vitally important that management does everything they can to bridge the gap and make people who aren't physically at the workplace feel like they're part of the team. I, you know, yes, the employees have to do it, do whatever they can as well. But I, it's apparent it's important to leaders to make sure that they are or not important, but it is vitally important for leaders to be making sure this is a priority and not leaving people out in the cold, so to speak.
0: Yes, I know. I was just listening to a podcast with Brene Brown and they were talking about that. Like how as managers are you going to go about having equity in terms of, you know, if if it is hybrid and the person chooses to continue to work from home, how are you going to make them feel included? And there's so much there. I'm very glad that I do (laughs) do not. We're a small business and team. We don't, we don't. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's like, seems like a whole other thing that nobody needs, but is definitely something that has to be discussed and going back to making sure people feel seen and heard and paying attention with when I was at Barney's and what I tell my consulting clients is the more that you are in front of me and talking to me and connecting with me. And I know that you care. I am going to want to work so much harder and pay more attention to you, whether that's subconsciously or consciously versus someone who is absent. And I only hear from them every month or something. So like the sales associates with the designer, if you're going in and talking to the sales associates at the store that you're sold at and making sure they know about your brand and you're gifting them things, obviously they're going to be putting your product and brand in front of clients over other brands that are not doing that. Absolutely. Okay, Susan, are there any other things that you want to share that we did not go over today?
1: (laughs) Um, Well, I just want to reiterate that connecting is healthy and it is, it is, doesn't have to be scary. If you do a bit of pre-planning, and this is an opportunity, uh, an opportune time to really think about, you know, what are your goals that you want to achieve over the next several months? Don't pressure yourself to jump back in because you feel like everyone is doing it. Right. Because we have been through, you know, hell and back. And right. there's the precedence for this. There's no roadmap or rule book or guidebook that's been written of how do you, reco- you know, recover from a global pandemic? So I think be patient with yourself. And, you know, start small. Don't go zero to 60 if you're not comfortable. And just get together with close friends or, you know, close colleagues. So that would be my my reiteration to you.
0: Well, thank you for saying that. I mean, I am, like, literally obsessed with community. Never before in New York have I ever, like, even wanted to know all the people that <laughs> live in my building like I just want to get off this dang computer and phone and just physically like be in person in
1: the physical world (laughs) (laughs) well it's coming
0: (laughs) it's coming it's coming I'm very excited so what is next for you Susan
1: McPherson oh well um to get back and focus a little bit more on my company. My employees um, are amazing and I feel like I've lost time to spend with them. Um, We're going on a retreat this fall. So a few of them who I've never met in real life, I'm going to finally get to. Um, also, you know, McNeerson Strategies is a social impact communications firm and the work we do is really, really important. And so I want to get back and and be doing more of that, um, supporting organizations with their impact projects. Um, companies, nonprofits, etc. Uh, and get back to travel. I mean, it's been I haven't been on a plane since March of 2020. And I used to travel both for work and pleasure extensively. So oh. I, would, I would very much like to do that. But you know, we'll see. I'm. You know, there's nowhere to go yet. <laughs> that can make sense.
0: Oh my goodness. I know. Well, what's so incredible is that you were thinking about social good and all of these things that companies should be doing years ago, and now it's finally trending. So hopefully you're crazy busy.
1: I hope so. I, For my team's sake, I hope so too.
0: <laughs> I know. What is the acronym?
1: Corporate social Re- yeah, Resp- corporate, corporate responsibility. Corporate social impact. It can be called many, many, many things. Environmental social governance. Um, 20 years ago when I was nascent in the, or when I was starting in the space, the industry was nascent and companies were kind of like, huh? Um, right. and now it must have, whether you're a large company or a small company.
0: Yes. Oh my goodness. Okay. So Susan, where can people find you in your book?
1: Oh, uh, well, there is a website, the lost I can be found on all the social platforms at Susan McP1. and the company's website is McKeown strategies.com. It's pretty easy to find us or me for that matter.
0: <laughs> Great. Yes. Well, I'll definitely include all the links in the show notes. So thank you so much for coming on the style that Finds us podcast.
1: Thank you, Delia. You are a light, uh, a brilliant light in the sky and on this planet. So I am grateful to have met you. I am grateful for this opportunity and I can't wait to meet you in real life speaking of so I should have that should have been the answer to your question <laughs> what's next <laughs> to meet you in real life <laughs> yes I truly
0: cannot wait it's, it is going to happen this month or soon 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 everyone thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next time Thank you for tuning into this episode on the Style That Finds Us podcast. If you like this podcast, make sure to tell a friend and subscribe. You can be a part of growing with us. Also, do you know about our weekly newsletter? You'll get access to exclusive content in our newsletter that we don't post anywhere else. Our newsletter comes out every Tuesday with the exception of the third Thursday of the month for Allison's special Celebrating Life After 40 edition. Head to the bottom of the Style That Binds Us website to subscribe.